Welcome to another episode of the Ball Till You Fall podcast. Just going to be me on this episode today just because of all the, you know, Christmas, holiday season, New Year's, uh, everyone's work schedule. We weren't able to figure out a time that worked for any anyone else to do any basketball episodes. But now at this point, it's been, uh, I think I think every team has played at least six games. Uh, some have played seven. So that's in this weird shortened season, that's basically 10% of the season. So I figure... Just want to get this episode out there so we can at least get, you know, just my initial thoughts from the first 10% of the season. Uh, So what I'm going to do for this episode, just to try and, you know, hit as many teams as possible, is just going to point out some some random numbers and uh, things like that 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 I've seen so far through the season. And just keep in mind, it's not necessarily in any order of importance, um, but I just want to kind of, you know, touch on as many teams as possible just to get the you know, the best snapshot uh, so far through this this weird season. But before we get into the numbers, just want to point out what I think has to be the biggest storyline of the season so far is that I know the Lakers were the pretty heavy favorite uh, to win the championship going into the year. And I think it's safe to say that so far through these first six or seven games, nothing that we've seen from any of these other teams has really shown like that anyone, I mean, I guess the Clippers and the Bucks and maybe the Nets, depending on how you feel about them, will probably be the teams closest to the Lakers' level as a contender. But I don't think we've seen anything from those teams or any other team to show like the Lakers are in, you know, too much danger of of losing that top spot on the power rankings. Unless, of course, knock on wood, there's an injury to any of their their star players. But we'll we'll get to the Lakers a little bit later because I do think there are some signs that just show like they're basically coasting at this point, just getting ready, you know, trying to be healthy. As, as healthy as possible for the playoffs. But the first number I want to bring up uh, is just, it's a kind of a little series here, but I just want to point out some of the some of the amazing duos that we have in uh, both of the conferences. We'll start with Katie and Kyrie. Obviously, you know, a lot of hype going into the season because we hadn't seen Katie in a full season and some change after he missed all of last year with that Achilles injury. And uh, Kyrie, we, we saw for parts of last season, but he missed, I think it was over half the season as well. So a lot of excitement, you know, going into the season on what those two guys would look like together offensively. And they definitely have not, uh, they definitely have, have lived up to the hype, I would say. So if we're just going to go by their season so far. So KD's averaging 28 points a game and, and Kyrie, not to be outdone, he's at 27. And then, you know, they're both giving you a solid amount of rebounds and assists and just point out the game that you know they're both at their playing at their best was against the Celtics on Christmas so I, I believe that was the first time Kyrie had been back to Boston and actually played in the game and they KD and Kyrie combined for 66 points in that game combined to go 22 for 37 from the field and 10 of 14 from three-point line and they were both plus 31 in terms of plus minus so I know the Nets started out super hot. They've kind of more than fallen back to earth. Now they they currently sit uh, recording this on January fourth, Monday. The Nets are currently three and four, and they have a couple couple weird, not so great losses there. Um, but nonetheless, those two guys, KD and Kyrie, are just incredible to watch on offense. Uh, it is it's not obviously not the exact same as KD on the Warriors with Steph and that system, but. It is a little similar with a point guard who just has, you know, ridiculous handles and ridiculous range can can heat up uh, at any moment. And I know uh, losing Spencer Dinwiddie definitely a huge loss. Just not to get too deep into the Nets 
specifically because we got to touch on a lot of teams here. But you're saying that 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 loss is big because uh, they need that that third ball handler and they want to keep Karis Avert coming off the bench. Where if you know if everything goes right for the Nets, Karis Avert should be the favorite for a sixth man of the year at this point. I feel like. But another uh, another awesome duo in the East so far is uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And actually. I mean, so far this season, might want to reverse that order. Like Brown might be playing a little bit better than Tatum, although, although tonight uh, Jason Tatum did drop forty points against Toronto. But, but Jalen Brown has he has a forty-two point game as well this season against Memphis, uh, the very end of December, and Jalen Brown is at twenty-eight a game this season and ridiculous numbers. I think he's at like, I think he's shooting like fifty. Let me I'm gonna pull this up really quick. Jalen Brown shooting sixty percent from the field 43 percent from three-point line and 28 points a game and then tatum is at just over 24 points a game and his percentages aren't as ridiculous but still 40 percent from three on eight attempts per game so pretty insane he also has two game winners and the celtics have only played uh seven games so you do the math there not bad um and that's they played eight games now actually so that 40 that 40 point game that tatum just had tonight isn't factored into his scoring average yet so his his average will be up there more like 26 27 points per game actually by the time you hear this um but let's let's go to the west now uh here's this is a, a really interesting one the rockets a lot of uh talk about them a lot of you know questions about what's going to happen with harden uh in the offseason and and their record isn't great they all they just lost to the dallas mavericks today and so the rockets currently sit at two and three but i mean Harden has to enjoy playing with Christian Wood. So if you if we look at them as a as a duo, obviously Harden is doing what he does. He's only played three games, but he's still averaging 37 a game. Um, oh, and 11 assists too, just in case you're wondering. Uh, 53% from the, from the field, 46% from three on 11 attempts per game. Now, just keep keep in mind, you know, take all these numbers with a grain of salt, especially that number. That's pretty pretty sure that that won't continue throughout the whole season but still ridiculous nonetheless and then christian wood a guy super small sample size last year with the pistons so rightfully so a lot of you know skeptics about how he would look in a bigger role but so far so good uh he's played in four games out of the rockets five games he's at 24 points a game 11 rebounds and shooting 56 percent from the field uh He's a stretch big. He's shooting over four threes per game, uh, shooting pretty well. You know, for a big thirty-five percent, not you know not lights out, but still not bad by by any means. Also giving you almost two and a half blocks per game and a steal per game. So that's that's part of his game that I don't think I was fully aware of was his his defensive versatility, which is it definitely makes the Rockets a lot more enjoyable to watch this year. I'll say, last year it wasn't. You know, watching Rockets games wasn't always the most entertaining when it was just Harden or Westbrook, you know, just taking turns isoing. But now you get Harden back in the pick and roll with Christian Wood. That's fun to watch. Some of some of the lobs that both Harden and John Wall have thrown to Christian Wood so far through five games have been awesome. And uh, that's just a fun team. I'm sure, you know, they've only played five games, so I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about the Rockets so far. And I do just want to point out what has to be considered or, you know, in the conversation for game of the year so far was Harden's first game back from his you know strip club adventures in the offseason against Portland so this was the day after Christmas and just have to point out so Harden and Christian Wood 
that game combined for 75 points. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, the the Blazers, uh, Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum combined for 76 points. So that's four players out of the, you know, out of however many played in the game, but that's four players who combined for 151 points and they shot whatever. I don't, I don't have to go into those numbers, but they also shot all four of those guys shot really efficiently from the floor. So that was just, if you love offense, that was an overtime game as well. If you love offense, that was, that was an entertaining game. Um, and that's, so I don't really, I mean, the other two duos I had written down, Dame and CJ were one, but everyone knows about them. You know what you're going to get from, from them. The other one I had, also a known commodity at this point, Paul George and Kawhi on the Clippers. Uh, so instead of talking about them as a duo, I do want to just point out the fact that Paul George is, he's the best player on the Clippers right now through seven games for them. Now, the Clippers, Suns, and Lakers are all tied for the best record in the Western Conference at 5-2, and two, and the Clippers have actually beat both the Suns and the Lakers already. And Paul George, just, I know I mentioned it on, I think, the episode I did earlier with, with Daniel about how Paul George himself said that he, you know, he didn't get to train properly last offseason because he was dealing with shoulder uh, injuries. Even He even missed some, you know, the beginning of the season, and now he had a full offseason to prepare. He obviously got killed in the media after what happened to him and the Clippers as a team in the in the bubble. But Paul George has come out on fire this year. So, so far through seven games, he's at 25 points a game, six rebounds, and a little over five assists, which is a career high for him by actually by a full assist. And then you know, he's still, still super good as a, a wing defender, giving you basically two steals per game. Now, here's the numbers that really stand out, how efficient he has been so far. 51% from the field. 49% from three on nine attempts per game, and then 93% from the free throw stripe. So he's been he's been killing it for the Clippers, and I, I don't see... Of course, you know, with him, it's always going to be, well, let's wait till the playoffs to see if he can keep those numbers up, but we're still a while away from the playoffs, so all we have to go off of is those seven games that the Clippers have played. Now, stay, stay in the Western Conference, a team that's definitely been on the more disappointing end so far has been the the Denver Nuggets coming off of that run to the to the Western Conference Finals last year. They're currently sitting at 2 and 4 and I think a big part of that is that Jamal Murray just hasn't been the same guy that he was in the bubble when he was well, maybe that's unfair to expect him to be that guy every game, but his his just I think he's at only averaging like 3 assists per game, which is super low for him and a huge dip from last year, so the Nuggets have to figure some stuff out. Just defensively, they look terrible, which makes sense when you think about the fact that they lost Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, and Plumley. So it makes sense that their defense would take a hit. But the the reason I brought up the Nuggets, I want to point out how how insane Jokic is playing right now. Uh, he's currently so they've played or he's played in six games for the Nuggets, and he doesn't have a single game or there's not a single game that he did not tally double digit assists right so he has 14 the first game then 10 18 12 11 12 so so on the season i believe let me let me pull this up on the season he's at 13 assists per game and that's again he is a center he is seven feet tall so pretty ridiculous and on top of those 13 assists he's also at over 11 rebounds and over 22 points per game so those 
that's a career high in terms of points per game, a career high in assists, and career high in rebounds. Now, I know only six games, but just where it stands right now, those would all be career highs for him, as well as uh, career high in turnovers per game, which is he's at 5.3, which is super high. But hey, if you're getting 13 assists, you can take a couple turnovers here or there. And he's also at 62% uh, shooting from the floor. So ridiculous efficiency and really you know the thing with him the only thing keeping him out of what would be the mvp conversation which i know is down the road would be the nuggets record they probably have to finish with at least a top three seed probably more like a top two seed for for Jokic to get serious consideration there so we'll we'll stay on the topic of disappointing teams but we'll go over to the eastern conference so the wizards were I think, uh, what did I say? I think I thought they were going to be maybe like a seven, eight seed with the potential to maybe finish like six or five, like best case scenario. They definitely got off to a, a slower start than I was anticipating. But with that being said, they still have been extremely fun to watch. Now, their first three losses were, they're not bad losses. They had they lost to the Sixers and then the Magic twice, who those are, the Sixers have the best record in the league and the Magic have, are tied for the second best record in the league. So those aren't terrible. But then they lost back-to-back games to the Bulls. And in the second game, they gave up 133 points to the Bulls. So that's just, that's unexcusable. And then their first win against the Timberwolves, that's not impressive because the Timberwolves are the worst team in the league, at least right now, without without Towns playing. And then, of course, just because this is the weirdest season ever, the Wizards beat the Nets yesterday by one point where... They were extremely lucky to come out of that game with a win. I mean, Kyrie had a wide-open look to win the game, and then uh, Kevin Durant got an offensive rebound and had just a wide-open like free-throw line elbow jumper to win it, and just it, it missed. So, uh, I mean, I guess, whatever, Wizards sit at 2-5 and five now, so, of course, nobody's out of anything at this point. But um, the number that I have uh, written down for the, for the Wizards is just – I noticed that so Westbrook is back to some of his bad habits, mainly taking too many threes, which if you remember, there was that stretch last season where the Rockets traded Capella and just went, remember, they fully embraced small ball, didn't play centers ever. And Westbrook stopped taking threes and put up some ridiculous numbers. His efficiency was, you know, the best of his career. And for whatever reason, I mean, I I love, uh, I love Russ. Like I'm a fan of his game. I love just how hard he plays, but Sometimes it's hard to defend, you know, some of the stuff he does. Like, if he knows how 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 good his numbers were last year when he stopped taking threes, so I just don't understand why go back to taking threes. And of course, he's averaging a, a twenty point triple double again. But that's just he's that good that he's going to do that even if he's making some bad decisions. And so so far through, so Russ has played in five games for the Wizards, and he's five for twenty two in those games. So that's like 22% from three. So that's obviously terrible. Um, but also I think the worst, the number that I think is worse actually is just the fact that he's, he's taking over four threes per game. You know, I think you have to, for him, it, like I'd rather see it at like two at most. Cause of course if he's wide open and it's like late in the shot clock, of course I'm not telling him to just go full Ben Simmons, but four threes a game for him too much or too many. And even if you just look at if you look at his his field goal percentage uh, this season so far, it's also really bad. He's at thirty nine percent, which would be a, a yeah by far a career low for him. I mean, the next closest is 
forty percent, and that was his rookie year. So that, I don't even know if that really counts. But thirty nine percent on twenty field goal attempts per game. That's that's I think the word would be inefficient. But um, Wizards are still fun to watch. Beal is of course back to putting up thirty a game like he was last year. I just they just have so many young players on their you know supporting cast where I don't. I, I, I that's where I have hesitation to put them as like a, a high playoff team at least before the season but they'll at least be an entertaining team and seeing Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in a play-in tournament uh, type situation that'll be that'll be fun to watch staying in the Eastern Conference but now we go to a team that has way less star power than the Wizards but is a, a way better basketball team than the Wizards currently is the the Indiana Pacers and the number that I that I have written down for them is the fact that DeMontis Sabonis is shooting three pointers and not crazy. Again, kind of goes hand in hand with the, the rust conversation. Sabonis is shooting just over two threes per game, but he's hitting them at 57%. And uh, he's having, I, I kind of, I had the idea to try and do this. I, it, I, I realized that it was probably pretty stupid to do like a, an MVP ladder six or seven games into the season just because the the standings and the records are all out of whack right now just because it's the beginning of the year but Sabonis would have to be in the at least like the top three I would say of of the MVP race right now Um, but he's at 21 points per game 11 rebounds and seven assists per game and for him the past few years like the, the only real knock on his game had been that he just didn't shoot threes and now he's actually hitting them and it's not like you know he doesn't have to be uh, like a stretch big by any means and like a high volume three-point shooter but if he if he's hitting over 50 percent on at least a handful of threes per game then you have to at least close out to him and that just that just opens up everything else for him and um the the Pacers actually just won a crazy game against the Pelicans tonight and Sabonis ended up fouling out of that game but even fouling now, he still put up, I think it was 19 points, 11 boards, 7 assists, basically right on par with those averages. Um, and the Pacers are a team that, like, it's just, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of were down on them going into the year just because they, it's kind of like how I mentioned um, on a previous episode about the Jazz, where just because they didn't make any crazy moves, you know, we, we kind of tend to forget about teams that don't make crazy moves in the offseason because, oh, you know, this team got this guy, this, this guy went to here. Like the Wizards, for example, like, oh, they got Russell Westbrook, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, I mean, the Pacers look really good. So they currently have the tied for the second best record in the East. And I know, like, the league has definitely moved on from, remember, there's like the big three era that obviously started with the Celtics and that I think was kind of best captured by the uh by the heat team with lebron wade and bosch and it's now moved to like big twos or you know big duos i think i mean the pacers have a a legit kind of hipster big three right because there's no quote-unquote superstars but sabonis made an all-star team last year and he looks significantly better this year um brogdon i i mean i'm i i always will feel that Brogdon is one of the most underrated players in the league and he's having a great year so far. And then Oladipo looks like he's been playing really well, which I know that was a huge question mark going into the air just because he didn't look the same um, after coming back from injury last year. So with those three, and then they just have solid players all around. I mean, Miles Turner is blocking like every shot that's available to him. Uh, He, 
I mean, Zion still finished with good numbers tonight, but I've never seen Zion get kind of just shut down in the paint. And not I'm not talking about just block shots, but just missing layups, looking uncomfortable, trying to finish in the paint. Um, but Turner can do that. And then Turner also hit the uh, the game tying three with like a second or a couple seconds left to send the game into overtime, which the Pacers ended up uh, pulling out the W. But Pacers, uh, good team and just a you know sneaky fun team to watch as well if you like good basketball. But all right, let's go back to the Western Conference and just it's kind of I feel bad that it took this long into the podcast to get to the Phoenix Suns who. Again, there's there's like four teams in the league, three in the West, and then, or actually five teams, two in the East, three in the West, who are, who all have a, a five and two record. But uh, the Suns are right there, you know, tied with the Lakers and Clippers for the best record in the West. And this is so okay. So the number there's not even just one number that I have for the Suns. It's more you always hear the whole like strength in numbers thing thrown around. I think it was the the Warriors who that was back when they were winning rings before Kevin Durant got there because getting him kind of gave, you know, their, uh, their depth took a hit, but the Suns are play- like right now, they're the definition of strength in numbers because if, so going into the season, if I told you the Suns would be, t- you know, have or tied for the best record in the Western conference, you would think, okay, Devin Booker's at what? 26, 27 a game. Chris Paul's at his regular, you know, 18 points, 10 assists per game. But that is that's not the case at all, actually, at least so far. So uh, CP3, he's only averaging 13 points per game. Now he's at eight assists, which that's that's up for him at least for the, the past few seasons. But uh, only taking 11 shots per game, and his it's not like his efficiency is even that crazy, right? Like 42% from the field, 33% from three. I mean, those are not crazy numbers by by any stretch, and. I guess I guess a big number to point out would be that he's only averaging two turnovers per game. So keep that in mind: eight point three assists per game, two turnovers per game. That's that's pretty impressive for if you're a point guard. And then Devin Booker, he's at twenty one point one points per game. That's by far the lowest of his career, taking out his rookie year. Um, like last year, he was at twenty seven. The year before that, twenty seven. The year before that, twenty five. And then his second year, twenty two. So even a full point lower than his second year in the league and his numbers are are better than Chris Paul's but still not like off the charts I mean 50% from the field that's that's really good for a a guard like him and but that was also you know you could kind of see that happening going into the season because playing with Chris Paul that's going to get you a lot more open looks but then his three-point percentage isn't anything crazy 34% so below league average on on a five and a half per game so not crazy numbers by those two guys, so you're kind of sitting here like, "Whoa, how, how are the Suns so good?" Um, it's more, it's more like the not the fringe players, but you know those really the key role players like Macau Bridges and Cam Johnson. Because I forgot to mention, maybe you if I told you that you know uh, Booker and CP3 aren't putting up crazy numbers, and you're like, "Oh, okay, DeAndre Ayton turned into Joel Embiid, right? He's putting up 25 and 12," and I would tell you, no, uh, Ayton is only averaging. 14 less under 14 points per game and uh, just under 11 rebounds per game both those numbers are down from last season at points per game he's averaging basically five fewer points per game this year than last year field goal percentage is up again that makes sense when you know when you've taken into consideration that 
maybe one of the best point guards of all time was added to his team. But um, again, not crazy uh, points, at least points per game scoring numbers production there. But Macau Bridges probably taking the biggest leap on this team. He's he's up to 14 a game, and then just the efficiency for him is awesome. So 46% from three on six three-point attempts per game. Now, those numbers will come down some, I'm sure, because Macau Bridges isn't a 46% three-point shooter. But just kind of trying to put into perspective how the Suns are this good when they're, you know, they're, they're, their big three uh, isn't putting up ridiculous numbers. So now we'll go to, I was debating between, let's just go with the Warriors here just because bigger market you know i think the uh the audience should enjoy that more so the uh the headline i have here i'll get to the number but first as a headline it's breaking news kelly Oubre is not clay thompson in case you were wondering so the number is kelly Oubre so far this season two for 30 from the three-point line now the the warriors are playing tonight so we know how this is going to go right kelly Oubre is going to go like five for eight or five for seven from three and boost his numbers up and make and make me look stupid for doing this this segment but anyways two for 30 from three not ideal i would say less than ideal um but i'm not dumb enough to think like that's gonna that's gonna go on for the whole season now he's also averaging uh he's barely he's under 10 points per game which is here are his last couple seasons last year he was at 19 a game season before that he was at 17 a game or 15 a game season before that 12 a game and then you have his first two years in the league where he was barely playing so this is one of the worst scoring seasons of his career so you know through six games but i i think that's just a, you know a lot of factors uh new team a lot of pressure on him big market just a weird off season for him because he didn't get to play with the suns in the bubble and then of course they did super well went eight no without him but uh, i you know, he'll he'll figure things out so i'm not I'm not out on him completely, but um, the Warriors now, I mean, it, let's see, their record currently, they started out terrible, of course, and had some some bad losses, but they're at 3-3 three and three now. Not, I mean, they, they just blew out the Blazers, I believe, last night, where Steph had his career-high 62 points, but that's definitely their best win, and that was the second time they played them in, I think, like a two- or three-day stretch, so... I was hesitant to make any, um, you know, to have any like strong opinions on the Warriors based on their first couple games, just because they didn't have Draymond. And first game that Draymond plays, Steph goes for sixty-two. Now, Draymond's stat line didn't look good, but he's always he's never been a player that you could really just look at the box score and be like, oh, okay, there's you know Draymond's impact. You could see it just in the box score. Um, so I don't think it's a coincidence that. Steph went off the first game that Draymond happened to be playing this year. Now, I still think, I'm not trying to say, oh, the Warriors are going to finish as like a top six, top five seed in the West, but I I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. Now, I know that's kind of weird this year just because technically 10 teams from each conference quote-unquote make the playoffs because they have the the whole play-in tournament this year. But I see, I mean, I... I really see the Warriors being in that top 10, of course. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they win their, whatever their play in game. And then there's going to be a, an annoying team to deal with. Now 
I did hear this idea brought up where what's like, I mean, you're the Warriors, right? Like you've, you've won three rings in the past, what, four years, five years. Are you really going to go all out just to be the eight seed and win a play-in tournament game and then get destroyed by the Lakers or whoever the one seed is? Or do you know, do you know, Kelly Oubre starts to play better. His numbers go up. Uh, maybe Wiggins has a couple big games throughout the season, and you try and trade those guys because obviously James Wiseman he's he looks legit, and of course he's a rookie hasn't played meaningful games in forever just because his whole college uh, situation we'll call it. Um, but he he looks like he's shown all the signs that he's going to be really good eventually, maybe and probably pretty quickly. But just as a rookie, you know. It's 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 uh it's rare that rookies really ever have that big of an effect on winning. So I don't know, like do the Warriors try and maybe get off of Kelly Oubre and or Wiggins? I don't know if anyone would be down to take the Wiggins contract. But anyways, I'm kinda rambling now. But um the Warriors are at least again a fun team to watch and I don't know. I mean let Draymond play his way back into shape, right? Because he hadn't played in a while and then of course while he was getting ready um, for the start of the season, he gets an ankle injury. So it's like whatever stamina and shape he got into leading up to the season, that's kind of all just thrown out the window because how much how much uh, conditioning and running can you do on a, when you're trying to nurse an ankle injury? But um, just had to bring up the Warriors. And this is what makes them super interesting is that Steph is averaging a, a career high and uh, in terms of field goal attempts per game so the more Steph shoots he's the best shooter of all time you know the more entertaining those games become he's at he's taking 22 shots per game so I'm saying that would be a career high if that if that you know that lasts the whole season which why I mean why wouldn't it right even if Oubre and Wiggins start shooting a little better why would you want Steph shooting less you know um and he's also taking (laughs) 12 threes per game and he's only at 36 percent which is league average but it's Steph Curry and also league average on 12 attempts per game with no other floor spacers around you that's I would say that's pretty impressive um again they're just a fun team to watch and kind of a a a change from what it's been the past few years where everyone liked to hate on the Warriors now it's they're an easy team to root for but let's go to we'll do one more one more team in the in the Western Conference, and then we'll get to a couple of just like quick hitter, just random stat lines I want to point out. But um, this one has to be mentioned, and it took this long to get to it just because I kind of mentioned it earlier. But the Jazz are not the most glamorous or like fun team to talk about, but they are they are one of the better teams in the West, if not the entire league. So right currently, they sit at four and two, which is good for the four seed in the west right now and they have they have some good wins uh they just uh, they beat the clippers pretty handily uh somewhat recently they destroyed the blazers on opening night and then they have a couple other whatever wins um they also they did lose to the timberwolves but whatever weird season um anyway so the number that i want to point out for for the for the jazz is uh, Mike Conley, his scoring average so far through six games, he's at 20.3 points per game, which that's actually good enough for the leading scorer on the Jazz by 
of a point per game over Donovan Mitchell. Now, uh, this is, I don't know if this is going to, I mean, I would bet on this not continuing throughout the whole season just because, okay, so in Mike Conley, this is his 14th season, right? In the previous 13 years of his NBA career, he's averaged 20 or more points per game two times, right? So I don't know if that's, you know, this is, this, it might be an outlier, right? Um, probably comes back down to earth a little bit, but I'm just pointing this out because he was not good last year and he looks a lot better this year, right? So not only is, so his points per game is up six points so far, six points per game so far this year. And then this is a better, you know, more significant number. His field goal percentage was 41% last year. This year through six games, it's over 48%. And then his three-point percentage last year was 38%, which that's still really good. Right now it's at 46% on almost double the amount of attempts. He was at a little over five last year. He's at eight this year. So I'm sure those numbers come back down to earth a little bit, but I still think that they are worth mentioning because now they have like a – it's it's definitely – here, so don't take this the wrong way. It's definitely a, a lesser version, but it's kind of – similar to what the Rockets had a few years ago with Harden and Chris Paul, where it's like two really good creators who can also score, you know, just how do you stop, but you could maybe stop one of them, but how do you stop both of those guys in the game? Which obviously I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is anywhere near James Harden as a scorer and playmaker. And Mike Conley definitely isn't the all time great that Chris Paul is, but I mean, if they are at least what 80%, 75% of that, and then you have Gobert and Bogdanovich, like you have an elite rim protector, which the Rockets really never had, and then you have an elite, elite shooter in Bogdanovich that, again, the Rockets never had. So I don't know. The Jazz are just an interesting team to keep an eye on, I would say, uh, even though they might not be a, a super flashy team. No, sorry. I, I I realized I had just said before before talking about the Jazz that it's gonna that was gonna be the last team in the West. But I do have you know this wouldn't be a, a podcast episode if I didn't talk about the Lakers. Now I saved them till the end just because I think they always say save the best for last, and I don't want to come off as a homer at all. But the number that I have for for the Lakers right now is uh, is LeBron's minutes per game. So through seven games, LeBron is playing 32 minutes per game. Now, can you guess the last time in his career LeBron played 32 minutes per game for a whole season? Um, if 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 you didn't know the answer, it's it is never. His his previous career low for a season was actually last year, and he was at 35 minutes per game. Now I think this isn't a surprising number, just because. Everyone knew LeBron was going to rest. He's 36 years old. This is his 18th NBA season. That's insane, right? So, of course, he's not going to go super hard in the regular season when we just saw it last year. Like, just get to the playoffs. The Lakers only lose, what, uh, they lost one game the first three series and then two to the Heat, so five games total. Like, he, you know, LeBron knows how to pace himself better than anyone I think we've ever seen before. Now, that number is important because... The Lakers are, so again, they're tied with the Clippers and Suns for the best record in the Western Conference at 5-2. And And I'm not going to sit here and say the Lakers have looked like the best team in the league because I I think it's safe to say the Lakers really only have one good win, which was against the Mavericks. Uh, Second game of the season, right? 
Um, and they won. And it was a pretty big win. They won by 23 points. But that's their only other their only good win. Their other wins are against the Timberwolves, the Spurs twice, and then the Grizzlies with no John Morant. And then they actually play the Grizzlies again tomorrow. So six and two, probably most likely in the bag. Now you could look at this their current uh, win loss record, the current schedule, and like oh they lost to the Clippers on opening night, and then they also lost to the Blazers. So against the three actual playoff teams slash contenders that they faced in the West, they're they're one and two. But I don't know. I mean that Clipper game, like Lakers lost to the Clippers opening night last year. How did that turn out? Uh, also, if you watch that game, like the Lakers got their rings. The Lakers were not trying at all. They turned it on for like a, a stretch in the in the third quarter just to see like, okay, can we maybe pull out a win here? And they, they got it close and then it's like, all right, whatever, not our night. Let's just let's just chill, let the Clippers do their thing and be all excited about beating the Lakers in game one. When the Lakers just came off of a championship run, the Clippers came off uh one of the most disappointing playoff early playoff exits of all time. But I digress. Um, so yeah, just LeBron's numbers right there, and of course, thirty-two points or minutes per game sounds like oh, that's of course like I mentioned his career low, but he's still at twenty-four points, eight rebounds, seven and a half assists per game. So still doing LeBron things. And Anthony Davis hasn't looked great this year, but again, he's he's I don't know, he's working his way into shape. He's again like an injury-prone guy. So I think the Lakers realize like they're playing the long game right uh don't go too hard in the regular season and not be healthy as possible for for the playoffs but that's basically all i have to say about the lakers just wanted to throw it out there just so people you know just so people don't think i'm not a laker fan anymore like i jumped off the bandwagon or anything because that's definitely not the case all right so just two things real quick to to end this episode um so okay we'll start with We'll start with the New York Knicks because no one has talked about the Knicks in the past, what, 20 years. Uh, I just got to shout out Julius Randle. So through six games, and let's just preface it by saying this. The Knicks currently, if the playoffs started today uh, with 90% of the season having yet to be played, by the way, but uh, Knicks would be the fifth seed. So the New York Knicks currently have the same record as the Milwaukee Bucks, the same record as the Atlanta Hawks, and the Knicks actually have beaten both those teams um uh knicks have a better record than the miami heat better record than the nets better record than the wizards and a better record than the toronto raptors so not you know it's not like empty stats here so julius randall this year through six games i know huge sample size 21 points per game 10 and a half rebounds per game over seven assists per game uh 50 from the field 50 percent from beyond the three-point arc on four attempts per game. Uh, so maybe put put some money on Julius Randle for MVP this year. I don't, this isn't a gambling podcast, so maybe don't take that advice. But just, a, a, again, if you have League Pass, check out the check out the Knicks when you can. They're just a, a fun team to watch. And finally, we'll end it with this. Uh, Nikola Vucevic. So again, another kind of random East team. But... Falls in that same boat with like you know the Jazz and whoever the other team or the Pacers, where it's just they didn't make many moves, so they don't get talked about, and people are just off them. But hey, Magic five and two, tied for the second best record in the East. And I, was, I mean, I was just going through Vucevic his uh, his Basketball Reference page, 
And I'm not trying to be, you know, sit here and say like, oh, he's one of the best bigs in the game. But I just think we have to, we have to respect what he does year in and year out, right? So this year, 22 points per game, uh, 11 and a half rebounds, over three assists per game, and 52% from the field, 49% from three on five and a half per game, and yeah, good team. He doesn't even play that many minutes. So that's kind of crazy. He's a guy who. I think I bring him up just like people are, I guess teams are probably scared um, away from, or they're scared off of, you know, trying to acquire him just because like his game, how does that translate to a, you know, to the playoffs? It's like like a a super good, like a serious contender, but I don't know. His numbers look good. And like you see him play against, it doesn't matter who he goes against. Like he, he's going to get to his spot. He's going to hit his moves. Uh, I've talked enough about the, the Knicks and magic now for the entire season. So just wanted to talk about them to get him out of the way, but that'll do it for this episode. And I'll try and I think on Wednesday, so just in a couple days, I'll have another episode out with, with uh, either Chibabi or maybe Daniel Wyatt or Brandon or, you know, any combination of the above, but, uh, it's been an entertaining season so far to say the least, just because it's like, it's so surprising. So many blowouts. I know that's a huge storyline and it's, it's really hard to tell like what's real and what's not. And the season is only going to get weirder. I think as we just had news break today, actually earlier today that Kevin Durant has to miss, I think four games, three or four games because he has to quarantine for seven days because of I don't think it was that he tested positive. I think it was just that he was in close contact with someone. So the whole contact tracing thing. But anyways, uh, awesome season so far. It should just get more intriguing. So hope you enjoyed it and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ball Till You Fall podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please like, rate, subscribe, follow, download, all the above. Uh, we're Honestly, we're going to keep releasing episodes even if you guys don't do any of the above. But It'll just make us feel better about ourselves if we see that people are listening and, you know, downloading and basically just enjoying the episodes. So be a nice person today. Uh, Please spread the word. Uh, The world needs more nice people out there. So just search Ball Till You Fall podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts out there. Again, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next episode. (music) 